Welcome to Across the Ring. My name is William Mayhem Michael. And this is the scientist, Carl Schrupfer. And we're here today with Hasbro WWE once again for the second day. How's your week been? Oh, my week has been fantastic so far. So I know in our last interview, we kind of got into the whole, you made it to the power plant, but you didn't make it to the power yeah. plant. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is me and my partner here, we kind of want to get into what you got into right after the whole power plant situation went when the power plant closed that meant the end of wcw at the same time which to some fans was oh we lost another company we can watch but to the independent wrestlers we've lost another place where we can maybe work so it changed a bunch of people's plans and it was all right how do we make it to the next level and for a lot of us that was traveling farther out and i ended up leaving the west coast and heading to the east to try my luck out there where'd you end up first i kind of hit the bike Bible Belt, like Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, just kind of through there first. Yeah, OVW, kind of just kind of heading that way before I kind of landed in Florida, which was a good little base. I tried out for OVW back in 2009. That's a trip, isn't it? (laughs) Because it wasn't too long after all those big names came out, Batista, Lesnar, Cena. Yeah. Orton, stuff like that. Yeah, all those guys came from there, and it really was, uh, you know, it was kind of a big deal um, because it was right before they switched over to FCW and they started the whole NXT thing. Yeah, that's about the time that I think they dropped OVW and picked up Deep South up in Atlanta and sent some people to HWA, which I think that was up in the North Carolina somewhere. And then when they closed those, they all traveled down to Florida for Florida Championship Wrestling. So when you say that you went to Louisiana, did you stay in that area or was it kind of like you're still traveling along the, the Bible Belt during that time? It's pretty much you would see, is there any shows I can jump on? as you move through so you might do one or two shows in this state then you're moving on to your next state until you get like a home base where Mm -hmm. alabama for a little bit was it so it was pretty much drive back drive forward and drive up and down and that's about the time that tna started so it was a lot of people trying to go up to huntsville or up into tennessee to try to get on the first nwa tna shows so you just kid a lot of people going hey i'm trying to go up there and they would nothing would come out of it is that how you ended up in florida was kind of in that whole rush of things? Uh, The thing was, it was kind of, I had family that was starting to move and it was kind of like, well, if I don't kind of go with them, I don't really like sleeping in my car all the time type thing. So it's like, well, it also gives me another chance to maybe start over a little bit and see if something else sticks, if not bring back something else. And it's a whole fresh new crop of people to work around and learn a different, like a Southern style wrestling to kind of pick up to see if that helps out with other things. Sure. So you, you know, you traveled through, you go through a few other, few of the southern states make it to florida you know what kind of was in store for you there starting over trying to figure out what companies around here that i could jump on with hey i have experience i'd like to try and it was almost like a restart from getting into the business and moving on because nobody knows your name out here yet so you're trying to rebuild it and then jump on another show jump in a car where can i work that will be beneficial for me and where do i do not want to work now that i've done this for a little bit that is just i'm getting pay but 
I'm putting more mileage on my body doing this. So to you, did it feel kind of like a fresh start? Like, you know, you could be like a new person. Like, I will say this, this is bad to say, but it's all out of respect. I learned how to be a much better heel in the South than I did in California. Because in California, you had one of the original performance centers for them, which was UPW and Santa Ana. And that was a place where like people like The Miz, Cena, Elijah Burks, Sylvester Turkey, Frankie Zarian, Daniels were in. So you had that hotbed and it was they were the main draws to go there so it was i'll go learn from them but you couldn't get into the school because it was another one of the ones that you can sign up for the school but the contracted talents in a completely separate thing so you get to see mike mizanin starting and you get to see the beginnings of frankie kazarian samoa joe and then you kind of see where they are now which is kind of great so when you said that it was easier for you to become a heel i understand because you you have to compete with all those people in california but was it also like a different type of crowd as well it was a lot different of a crowd because out here to some of them it's still real which made traveling a lot harder because maybe i jump in the car with somebody and I'm, we're doing other shows but we're wrestling each other on all these shows maybe i he has to pick me up three blocks down from the building away from people stuff like that so you learn more to kind of keep everything to you yeah. but then just turn it on with them and see what they react to what gets you not hit with a cane which happened twice to me because i said something and i felt a knock on my head and i was just like really oh <laughs> I I, I want to hear that story now. You you may end up cutting this out because first thing I said is I looked in the fun. audience and I went, why is it none of the trees here fork? They're all just straight. And everyone stared at me and I'm like, are you all related to each other or is it just the water? And people booed and I got out of the ring and I went to go just put the heat on this guy. And I just felt this crack on the back of my head and I turned around and there was an old lady, wooden cane, cane's broken hit me in the back of the head what the crap and one of the wrestlers in the back went oh that's my grandmother by the way i'm sorry you know with you saying that it's still real to the people in the south i promise you to the grandmothers it's very real if they're coming out to wrestling, it's real to them. I promise. Yeah, and I think I did another <laughs> show for them about a month later, and she was there, and she had a metal cane this time. Oh. And I went, and so the guy I was wrestling, I said, if you see her swing it, you tell me. She went to go pick it up. I took it from her and hung it on the top rope in the corner. <laughs> and it stayed there for the whole show. <laughs> I said, I told people, I was like, you take that cane down, we will have issues. Leave it. And it stayed there the whole time. When we broke down the ring, it was still hanging there. That's those, incredible. Mm, type things. I was just like, all right, that was good. But then it was also at the same time. I have to leave this building without getting thrown stuff thrown at me. And it was just yeah. one of those, oh, I completely understand what like Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard talked about. Oh, I had to jump in the trunk of a car to leave this building. Okay, I understand that type of anger. <laughs> right, right. And it's during that time. Well, I don't even want to say just during that time because not too long ago with uh, GCW with Matt Cardona yeah. winning the world title, yeah. that, that ring got filled. And it was kind of like, you know, when the NWO took over, like yeah. back in in them days, it was a lot more common, but that's why in WWE, when you go to the show, guys, well, you never get bottles or caps. Yeah, I had two friends at that GCW show. One is a referee, and I heard from them, Cardona brought the bottles. For- what? Because <laughs> he knew what was going to happen at the end. And they said, like... <laughs> 
it happened and my friend was thinking i don't really want to clean this up right now that's crazy uh so yeah you're in florida you got some crazy stories fans coming after you uh were there any guys that you worked with that you had like you know really cool stories with or matches with while you were out there i had one his name was alex reynolds weirdly enough the same guy as the dark order but not the same guy our thing was i was his best friend through the whole thing and it was his last chance to get a title if he didn't win he would no longer be able to have a title it's going to be a triple threat they allowed him to pick the third member and he said well i'm going to pick my best friend to do it so got down to the end of the match he was getting ready for the win i hit him with a bradshaw clothesline one two three I took the world title off of him. They booed me. I said, well, I guess you can go home now. Bye. And I left with the belt and him in the ring. People just crying and throwing stuff at me. And it was the end of that guy. That guy moved on to another state. We just kept it up the whole time that he's no longer ever world champion. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I was just like, oh, that played out so well. I was hoping it would not go south and it went really well. You know, and I kind of remember watching some show where they used to do that in Memphis with Jerry the King Lawler a lot where if a guy got signed to a major corporation it was like I quit match but I can never wrestle in Memphis yeah. again type of thing but that those type of matches are always really interesting um, as long as it's not one of those I quit matches and then they come back two weeks later on TV yeah those were interesting so I know in our last interview that we kind of got into uh, you and Marty um, uh, tell us a little bit about that and what that was like one of the good things about coming up on the independence is you get to work some of the people you grew up idolizing you're like oh it's marty Gennetti of the rockers i can't wait to do this this is gonna be great i have my match with marty marty showed up in marty Gennetti fashion as the match was going on would not tell me anything would not go in on it and he calls let's do a scoop slam picks up and as soon as he slams me he vomits on my face and i look up at him and he's just like sorry sorry so i kind of roll out wipe it off and the whole time he's going please please don't kill me and i'm like i'm st- i'm trying my best not to just pick him up drop him on his head but i was like let's get through this i get in the back and he just looks at me he goes all right that was fun and leaves i'm just like oh my friends are like dude did he just yeah i need to go take a shower so i had to drive all the way back to my place to take a shower and I, like i was just like really i got to wrestle a legend and he vomited all over my head that's incredible i think <laughs> i've only ever heard of one other guy getting puked on in a, re- a ring uh, i was in uh uh, Milwaukee and I saw a beer city bruiser. Uh, he took, he took kind of a tough fall outside the ring. I think it hit, hit his head and later was going for a slam and vomited on himself before mm-hmm. slamming the guy. It's the only other time I've ever heard of someone vomiting in a ring like that. So it must be a pretty rare occurrence. It is. And a couple months later, another company we were doing a match and they had a referee who I think was the promoter's son. And we started to speed up the pace. The referee stopped and started throwing up in the ring. Cause we blew, <laughs> him up by making him move and we just stare at him and he's just chunking all over the place and we're going how are we going to work around this and all of a sudden he stops and he's like, I'm good I'm good well the middle of the ring had a giant puddle in it so oh, we were leapfrogging no. the puddle till we made, we're like alright if someone's going to land to this it's the referee so we referee bumped him into it and, <laughs> oh, no. and we're just, just like you did it man you oh, gotta take it he's God. like Ugh. I mean the promoter never booked us again because he's like that was mean we're like no no what's mean is puking in the middle of my mat i said your son should have turned around stuck his head outside the ring not do it in the ring we were like maybe the third match so there's a nice wet spot for the rest of the show 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, I was at WWE SmackDown when Edge came back in that brood fashion and he dumped all that blood all over <sighs> the Miz. And I was just sitting there like, bro, there's no way they're getting that cleaned up. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how many uh aprons they got underneath that thing, but that was crazy. Yeah, I see that stuff and I go, Oh, I feel bad for the rest of the people on this show because either they gotta work around that or be very careful. Yeah. That gets slick. It's just like, mm, come on, guys. Yeah, that's that's pretty gross. Another, like, as we're talking about, like, funny wrestling stories, we had one that we were wrestling at a fair, and they put the ring in the rodeo arena, but didn't clean up from the night before. So it was a game between all of us. How are we going to knock somebody into the piles? And (laughs) we just happened, there was a guy that was very light, very new, and they said, we're picking him up, we're throwing him. They threw him. I will say, he will osprey, like, backflipped over it, stood up, and we're like, no, we thought we are going to get it. Later that night, guy slipped trying to get in the ring falls backwards splat just all over and we're like you're not getting back in here stay out there stay out there he'd get up there we'd knock him back down how'd the crowd react to that they couldn't tell what it was until he turned around and he had this giant brown thing on his back (laughs) and couldn't figure out why we would not let him back in the ring because we're like no we don't want you in here and the more he got close to us the more we could smell it and we're just like oh let's get this done matches over he went in the back and we were spraying him down with a garden hose outside the tent going nope not till you're clean i mean you just see the piles around in there and your your first thought is but one of you is going in this and it's a whole night like they're trying to like snip smack your fingers off ropes push you and you're like no no and you're like oh this one can't fight back we're throwing him over there i Uh, assume that that happens to a lot of rookies getting into business uh yeah it's more of hey you're gonna it's a way of kind of being like hey you're you're gonna do if you want to do this that's good kind of builds rapport but at the same time we all like to kind of rib each other and mess with each other so it's stuff like that that just kind of helps us get through the monotony of like long travel days where it's oh maybe we move your bag or they ziplock your bag or something like that just to kind of oh break the levity and then it's an ongoing game for the night where you're like all right one of well somebody's going in here who's gonna do it and if you get back you're like ha ha you guys didn't get me that's pretty awesome <laughs> i imagine it, it's kind of good too like you know you got to teach people how to how to mess with each other so with like the young guys you gotta you know t- teach them you know okay these are the kind of jokes we make and you know yeah. we do it to everybody and so it's like an initiation of all right this is what we're doing you know you're gonna be doing it too so get get yeah. them kind of in the loop it's like we're all family we're all here to do this together let's have fun let's just enjoy us just enjoy it down the road too yeah so uh you know you talked about you know wrestling in a rodeo uh you know arena type of thing are there other like kind of strange locations that you ended up wrestling in i I wrestled we wrestled in a i want to say it's like a nightclub bar where i don't know why there was a structural pole going down the middle of the dance floor and they put the ring on the other side well if you've watched wrestling the ropes need room to move well we were against two sides of a wall and a beam so all the running was on the two sides that weren't working and it was the weirdest like you couldn't hit the, i hit the ropes i hit the wall and i was just like oh that hurts so bad and we're like why did you put it here and he's like well that way we can have room for everybody i'm like you know you could have slid it over here where you have one wall on one side and we didn't have to and he's like i just liked it over here and we're like we don't because yeah. this is really hard to run at something and go all right I, I need to slow down or i'm gonna hurt myself who was it that made that decision the guy that you're talking about is he a promoter is he the 
the wait, wait, promoter wait. and the guy who owned the place because they work together kind of like oh we want to do a show well where can we put the ring oh it fits here or it fits here or how about we do it over here oh it doesn't work like they stick it in the weirdest spots possible not thinking so it's never house any is gonna... wrestler input and where the ring yeah it, like we walked in there when he went really and he went it's where it fit and i'm like we could do it in the parking lot be yeah. easy. no this is where we want it i was like okay we're like well, where's our dressing room he goes outside we're like what do you mean outside he's like go out that door we have some this like those plastic tarps put up around i'm like can we not use the room upstairs he goes no that's a private office. I was like, oh, whatever. Yeah, you get a hard gust Jeez. of wind, and we're all just standing there staring at each other with nothing. We're like, oh, we're not coming back here. <laughs> That's brutal. But uh, when you have a situation right like that where, you know, the ring's in a weird place, there's obstacles, you know, you talk about, you know, the rodeo having stuff, you know, trying to avoid there as well. You know, do you guys, like, talk to each other about how you can kind of hint to, like, the crowd and stuff that, like, that's an obstacle for them to worry about and kind of create drama there? Or? Well, the first thing, usually when we get into a building we have that issue we all get in the ring and figure out how can we work around this and that's how we kind of figure out like all right let's not do this but then you start to play it up as the show goes on like if you hit the wall like you hit it and you go who put that there or you continually hit it like and you just kind of help play up the levity of like this is a really bad spot for this to be in or you go to hit the ropes and like you would slow down just lean and you're <laughs> purposely trying to be like this is dumb this is dumb but then you're like oh okay try to get work around the best you can yeah, i don't think we ever up. yeah we never did a show there again because we're like no i still have a bruise on my back from that night no i believe it i feel like oftentimes you see at the smaller venues either a, a chandelier or a ceiling fan in the way that seems to oh there was one show we we got in there and the top rope and the ceiling was maybe five feet i'm six one like i stood up on it and i had to push up ceiling tiles oh no I'm like i'm like how is this gonna work and one of the guy says oh i have a great idea it was like one of those like like this like the push-up ceiling tiles yeah false he ceiling. moved it he practiced for a good 20 minutes jumping he jumped up the ceiling and threw the other hole onto somebody <laughs> he's like that works <laughs> but we're like all right so like we just knock a bunch of different random ceiling tiles out trying to make it functional because if i stand up i don't want to i'm staring like above the ceiling i'm like no i guess nothing off the top tonight like you go to dive over and feet, people's feet are just kicking ceiling tiles everywhere you're just like oh my goodness that had to be a big repair bill for the uh property owner later yeah it was one of those like not our fault we tried our best sorry it was just we tried the best because you get situations where you're like this isn't gonna work or it's like a hard ceiling and i'm like i'm standing in the ring and if i jump i can headbutt the ceiling i was like you guys need a shorter ring for this place not these big ones and they're like oh we'll do it next time you come back and it's like no ring and you're like how did you not have a ring for this and they're like we couldn't find a shorter one i'm like well cool well you can't find wrestlers either we're leaving right that or we get some of the promoters who would not take care of the ring and that was a big pet peeve of mine they'd leave it in their backyard all the time and it would rot stuff like that you're just like come on we had one that the ropes were so bad that i walked to the back and i had a slice down my back from ring ropes being exposed and didn't know it until like someone's like hey you got blood coming down your back now i'm like really yep two pieces of metal sticking out it's like oh my goodness i was like hey we're gonna go and wrap that up do us better so Scott, I, I know that we talked about your wrestling. We see that you have a lot of stuff in the background and that's something that we want to get into into the next episode. And I know that you got a surprise for us, which 
we're not going to talk about now. What got you started into collecting memorabilia? Um, what got me into it is a lot of these pieces have history to them. And I've heard of pieces that just disappear. And I remember that feeling of seeing Randy Savage come out and keep like a certain outfit. And you're just like, oh, that's so cool. And now for me to have something that I look back and go, I have a memory attached to this kind of helped me and also preserve the history instead of this disappearing somewhere hey it's here it'll be shown off and maybe one day it'll be shown off in a public place where people can come and see it i just want to make sure the history stays around and just doesn't disappear stuff like that yeah that's awesome all right well i guess now we're going to go ahead and wrap it up uh if you guys liked everything that you heard today just know that we are going to get into all the stuff he has behind him tomorrow and we got a special surprise for you until then my name is william mayhem michael this is carl the scientist shrepfer with Hasbro WWE. I hope you all have a great night. Stay safe.